Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. This is Matt Tilley, and I am here with Craig Faust. How you doing, Craig? Doing well. Uh, this is the podcast where we connect mental health insights that are found in the biblical narrative. And so we go inch by inch through this story today. And past couple weeks, we have been looking at the story of Noah going inch by inch through this story to find... Well, what makes sense for the way that humanity experiences trauma and depression and anxiety and loneliness and shame and all of these different themes that we're going to pull out and talk about because these people who are living in these ancient times, they're going through very unique situations, but they are not very different from you and I today. So pretty excited walk through this with you all yeah and uh we're going to continue talking about the flood and this is kind of what happens a little bit after the flood there's definitely some things that happen here that i feel like are important for us about like timing that are important to us about adjusting expectations that as matt and i were reading from as mental health practitioners really hit us and feel like it's important uh, to have these type of conversations so uh, i look forward to that as well yeah yeah the majority of people that I sit with that we're sitting with pain, um, trying to understand something confusing to us that's going on in, in a relationship outside of the room, whatever it may be, one of the biggest themes that we're sitting with is the unknown, right, of uh, how long do I have to suffer and deal with this? I don't know what's going to happen and I have to plan for every possible scenario or I don't know what's going to happen, and so I just, I'm shut down, and I'm not engaging with anybody, the world, or even myself. I'm not attuned to my own emotions because I'm just so fearful, scared of of what is to come. And whenever we're looking at Genesis 8 today, a lot of what is going on is waiting. And Noah not necessarily knowing exactly what's going to happen, God has given him some hints, but Mostly it's just told him to, hey, go build this ark and prepare. I'm bringing a flood. Go bring all of these animals into the ark. Bring your 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 whole family into the ark. I'm going to preserve you. But outside of that, he doesn't know how long he has to wait. He doesn't know what else God is doing or what else he has planned. There's so little that he knows. And throughout the text here, we see that and there's over 150 days. There's 150 days that the waters were on this earth before they began to abate. And then after that, you know, Noah uh, sends out multiple birds at different intersections. And we'll talk a little bit about those intersections here soon. But there's just hopefully maybe a patience that we're seeing from Noah. We're not told that he's showing anxiety or feeling fear, but... Man, how in the world could he not? Right. I think it's always easy for us when we have physical injuries just to expect that it's going to take time for the body to recover. Right. There's this expectation. But a lot of times when we are suffering with mental health related stuff, we don't always want to give that same grace to the body that we want it quick. Right. I want to take Mm -hmm. this medication, get okay or you know, I, I want to not be depressed right away. You know, can I just do this one thing? And it doesn't, you know, it makes a ton of sense because there are so many things in our society that are just like one, two, three fixes. And, 
you know, they sell a lot of books with that type of stuff, right? One, two, three fixes. Mm -hmm. And this is just what you have to do. You know, if you do these four things every day, then you're going to live the happiest life. And, you know, I think that (laughs) there is a lot of draw to that, right? Me as a human being, gosh, if I could just do four things, I'd be happy every day. Yeah. Uh, Let me go ahead and sign up for that. I want the happiest life. Yeah. Totally. Totally do that. And something that we have to recognize is that just because we want that doesn't mean that that's how it actually works. There is a recovery that happens. Or that that would be good for us. Right, right. There is a recovery process that happens for us mentally as we are recovering when we suffer from some type of mental health-related issue. So we we do see – here's some quick hits just for the, the theologians out there, right, that, that are reading through this. Tons of sevens in this, <laughs> in this part uh, where, you know, and this is something that's really important, right? We talk about seven as a big theme, seven, tens, threes, all really like kind of perfect round numbers. Oh, and 40, yes. Yeah, I like the number um, 40. So you get the sevens here, and of course God made uh, the world and everything in seven days or six days and seventh day rest. So you have the same pattern of seven here that is talking about the decreation, right? Letting the waters, eroding those boundaries, letting the waters take away the earth, and then seven days of reestablishing it. It doesn't say that like, hey, Noah sent a bird out and it took two weeks to get an olive branch back, right? That, that isn't what it said. It said seven, seven days. days, seven yep. days. Um, so th- this is all just pointers to us and just reinforcement of training us to look for that, that type of pattern. So uh, hopefully those of you guys that are keeping track out there notice this. Um, I think another thing that's really important just to notice, too, is like the burnt offerings here. Um, Matt, help me. Is this the first time that burnt offerings are done uh, in the New Te- or in the Old Testament? I-, I feel like it might be because there's offerings by Cain and Abel, but I don't think right. it was burnt. So this is a... Not that I remember from the language that we saw, no. So this is going to be something that... And this is also uh, said clean offerings, right? So this is something that is going to become a theme, especially as we get later on into other books of the Bible early on here in the Old Testament. Um, But this is just uploading a little bit of something that it seems like God's preference has to do with uh, sacrificing animals, and the blood. Mm-hmm. And so there's supposed to be a tying here that we're going to slowly build on Right. We'll get a little bit more of that in Genesis 9, too. But we'll talk a little bit about the end of what's happening here at Genesis mm-hmm. 8 with the covenant that God is building with Noah. And not just Noah, but, you know, his people from mm-hmm. here on out. And sacrifices are a huge part of this. The, the cleanliness, the purity right. of, of them. Um, blood being shed on our behalf because... We are wicked. (laughs) That's been pretty clear to God. And he's, I think, beginning to realize that, well, he's already known that, but after the consequence Mm -hmm. happens here, um, naming that there is evil in man's heart. Right. And there has to be other consequences applied besides him wiping out every living thing with floodwaters each time. So we see something that's really peculiar, and we want to hover around this for a while. So, so, but before we go too far, um, all right? So we get these different quick hits for for all of our theologians that are listening. Um, just circling back to what we were originally talking about, right? There is a time component that comes to recovery, and like I said, it's a lot easier for us to 
invest in this when we're thinking about like our physical health, right? A broken bone may take, you know, a month to heal, mm-hmm. if not more, uh, depending on if you have to do any type right. of like physical rehabilitation or anything. So my wife, really quick, is a physical therapist. Okay, so you know more about this than I do then. I mean, it goes in one ear and out the other because I don't understand all of the anatomy that she does. Uh, but often she'll have her patients that come in that say, you know, I want to be back at a hundred percent, you know, get me there. And, you know, she works with them and she's trying to be as patient as she can. I think she's a great physical therapist, but you know, she'll come home and talk with me a little bit about it. And it's like a hundred percent is not possible. There's no way that you're going to be able to get back to 100% with most of these injuries that happen. Sometimes, sure, maybe that's possible. But as the body ages and then you have these traumatic injuries that happen, the reality of that, like, we have to lower our expectations or or change our expectations of what 100% might, Mm. a new 100% might mean for you. Um, And readjusting your ability, what you're able to do. Um, And because... Everything is connected in the human spirit, soul, body, you know, our, our heart, our mind, our body, our, our spirit. Um, I think there's a lot of similarity, but we don't have the same patience for the mind that we have for the body. And even with the body, a lot of us don't have patience with our body either, right? right? I want it to be fully functioning, not experiencing any pain whatsoever and Sadly, as we go through a life that is filled with suffering, that expectation is not realistic. And I think that mm-hmm. that expectation will just lead us to experiencing more sorrow and anger in our life. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing comes along with with our mental ability and our emotional ability. As we continue to go through this world that's filled with pain and loss, we have to keep adjusting our expectation of what we're able to handle or what we're able to do. I want to tack on to that. So if you think that being healthy mentally is being happy all the time, right. you are going to be mistaken. Right. That uh, will lead to hurt, continued hurt in your life. Well, it's going to lead to you thinking that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And realistically, that is actually not the optimum mental health. Mm-hmm. Optimum mental health is actually being able to go through pain and suffering and still being able to recognize and recover and repair from injuries that we go through, right? Even if we're going through a sad, grieving time, a shameful, guilty time, that we can actually still, as people and human beings, continue to engage in the world around us, with the people around us, in a way that may not be fully up to what it was, but in a world that will give us grace, in Mm -hmm. a place where we will give ourselves grace for getting back to a better functionality, right? That doesn't mean that, you know, if you're going through tons of mental health-related issues that you don't take time off work or, or, you know, you don't have a sabbatical or, or, Mm -hmm. or whatever that may be, what I'm saying is that we have to recognize that there is time that takes to recover and that sometimes there is an expectation that we have to be able to, you know, that we have to be able to recognize might not be realistic. Yeah. Um, Noah was most likely, and, and his family, 
was most likely traumatized by this event. The entire world as they knew it got wiped out by waters. Yep. And They're the only humans left. And now he has this responsibility to shepherd and steward his right. family and all of these animals that God is God. God has told him to take care of. Yeah. So thankfully, though, God has created a way for the brain to be repaired from trauma. Yes. Right? Is it going to be 100% back to where it was? Eh, probably not. But it, a lot of times it can get pretty damn close depending mm-hmm. on what type of traumatic event that you have. So we, as our physical body, is, are, we are built to be able to bounce back from things. But we have to give time. We have to recognize that there is some type of issue that's going on. You know, I tell you what, all modern medicine and everything like that, I got the cold not too long ago. Mm. And I tell you what, I was pretty upset that... You know, I wasn't feeling great for a week, mm-hmm. but you know what? That was only a week of suffering, right? And, you know, and, and it isn't the only week that I've suffered, but the thing is that it took my body, even with modern medication and everything, a week to be able to recover. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's that's actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, it could have taken a lot longer. It could have also been shorter, but if I walked into that with the expectation that, hey, you know what, this cold's only going to knock me out for one day, then I'm sitting there for another six days thinking that, like, man, there's something screwed up with me. My body sucks. You know, I suck. I'm not very healthy. Right? Mm-hmm. I am just allowing um, a space to actually tear down my own self, my own competence, my own confidence in my body and my mind to be able to do things. But if I can sit there in that moment, I could be like, okay, I'm suffering from a cold. I'm not going to be able to do things I'm going to do. So you know what I didn't do? I didn't work out every single day that I was having this cold. You didn't go out in the freezing cold and go for a run? Oh, yeah. No? No, I didn't do anything like that. Um, You know, whenever I was around people and and different things like that, I... uh Uh-oh, Matt... Matt's actually catching a little bit of that cold right now. <laughs> Swallowed my coffee the wrong way. <laughs> but the the thing is, I had a certain expectation about how I was going to be. And my wife and I had this conversation, right? It's like, hey, I'm that 100% right now. I can't do all the tasks that I normally do around the home. And whether that, that, that means that she's able to pick some of that up as my partner or that means that some things just aren't going to get done. Because mm-hmm. I tell you what, we had a lot of laundry and dishes that built up. Because I wasn't feeling at the top of my game. Yep. And we had the conversation. And you know what? That turned out to be okay. Yeah. We, we made it through. Right. But we had that conversation. We had that expectation because I wasn't feeling well. And you know, I'm not a failure because of that. And that's so important to speak that kind of language to yourself in the middle of that. That's you accepting the reality of your suffering and your limited capability and speaking truth to yourself of, but I'm not a failure. Right. This is a sickness. Mm-hmm. This means that I'm not capable of some things right now, or I shouldn't try to do some things right now, or else I'll hurt myself further. Totally. And that's living in the tension. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what optimally we need to shoot for in our life to be able to have a life that's filled with contentment and maybe not constant happiness, but maybe a joy filled life. A, a and joy meaning that it's it's different from happiness in the sense that it transcends happiness. And it's not yeah. there constantly. It's not a constantly felt feeling. 
but it's looking at your life and realizing that for the most part, like there's hope yeah. and there's vision and there's meaning and there's life in the midst of the suffering, in the midst yeah. of the waiting. And hopefully that's what Noah was able to do while he was waiting over 150 days on this ark of knowing mm-hmm. even though there is death happening all around me right now, even though God is in his wrath blotting out life on this planet, he's preserving us. Right. Well, and there was hope. And for you right now, maybe you don't see a lot of hope in your life. That's pretty normal for a human being in this existence, in my experience. So I just want to let you know we're on the same page. Um, and if you want hope, you know, religiously, spiritually, whatever you want to call this, uh, faith-wise, skip skip to Revelation, right? Start reading through yeah. that. Uh, it's actually a book that's filled with hope, uh, even though I think a lot of times people misinterpret that. Um but for us, right, sitting here, we have to recognize that it does take time. And just because it's taking time doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. This is part of a natural healing process. Exactly. Um, and a lot of times if we just sit and we leave stuff alone, we can recover. But we have to be able to recognize that something's wrong. Now, there's also time and places where we have to do something. Mm-hmm. Right where we have to make adjustments. This is a lot of like where Matt and my work comes right. in with working with mental health is that like, hey, you know what? If you're sad for a long time, you know it's pretty common to get sad sometimes, but it's not necessarily common to be sad constantly. Mm-hmm. So okay, what are some of the things that we need to look at? And knowing the expectation that this isn't going to change in a week. Right, like knowing that you have agency and you can change some of those little things in your day to day and your routine. That plays a huge role in fighting depression. Um, But yeah, at the same time, knowing sometimes we just need to sit and feel what we're feeling. We need to process that and understand it and just give permission for it. That's okay. It's okay that things suck. It's okay to be angry and annoyed and sad, grieving about that. And we should. And that doesn't necessarily say something about us or who we are. Right. You know, sometimes that's just the circumstances of, you know, that cold didn't target me because I suck or because God's like, I'm going to show Craig, like, during these this next week to 10 mm-hmm. days. Um, hey, we live in a world where there are viruses and, and you know, there's mm-hmm. illness. And that that's part of it, right? So we have to be able to recognize that. So, Absolutely. So being able to take some of that time, and as we're going through Genesis 8 before— we started recording, you know, and like I said, you know, if you're a theologian, like be able to notice some of these, there's, there's a lot of different patterns that are setting us up for late, later, even like with the dove, the olive branch and, and all these different things that, um, I don't necessarily want to talk about as much because it's harder for us to glean different mental health related things from them. Right. And the focus of this podcast is solely to pull out some of the mental health insights, even though the theology here is important. Um, unfortunately we just don't have as much time to delve into all of the theological aspects. Right. So uh, one of the things that we're going through that really struck me, and, and actually Matt did a really good job talking about this, so I'm going to have him talk a little bit about it, but I'm, I want to actually Uh-oh. read this uh, to you. So I'm at Genesis eight sixteen. Go out from the ark, 
you and your wife and your sons and all your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing with all of, sorry, with you all of flesh, birds and animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and that they may swarm the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Fruitful and multiply. There we go. Blessing, right? Again, something that's that's going to be continuing, but also Noah's not alone whenever he's coming out. Right. He is a still... continuing of our dominion, though, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So then you have this kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to highlight that. Then let's go ahead and just skip down to, right, because I feel like this has a little bit to do with dominion, God's covenant with Noah. Um, so Matt brought this up, I think, a little bit last episode, um, but this is kind of here again. This is like an official covenant uh, where we're actually getting to see this. And Noah built an altar to the Lord, took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the altar. So, again, this is a theme that we're going to see mm-hmm. uh, later on. And the Lord smelled with pleasing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So, reading this, there is something that that happens. Like, whenever... Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden. There was a curse that is put on the land. Evil is there. They can now see good and bad, um, good and evil, depending on what interpretation you want to look at. And the thing is that God is saying this, that there is not this maturity to rely on God yet in man. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is something that's so important because God's saying this, so we as modern readers can hear and understand this. God then says that he's not going to curse the land. He's not going to punish like the animals in, in, in the ground. He's not going to continue to do this because of the condition that's happening with man. Like I said, Matt described the, a little bit of this earlier, and I want him to kind of talk to us a little bit about that um, so that we can kind of get a little bit of understanding sure. of what this is. And I think it's important to note, too, that, that this covenant language continues on in the Genesis 9 um, as the rainbow comes into the sky and God continues to elaborate on on this covenant and what it means and what it means for his side in it as well. We can talk a little bit more about that in our next episode, which I'm very excited to talk covenant language. I love all of the covenants that God has throughout the biblical narrative. I think that they are so important for our faith and our mental health. Um, But this is God kind of reiterating uh, a twist on the original covenant. And it's not an official covenant in the beginning that God has with Abraham. Uh, but there's there's the likes of a covenant that he's making. Has of, with Adam. That he has with Adam, right, of have dominion over the earth, be fruitful and multiply. Um, but then the curse comes upon us whenever we eat of this fruit, and there is wickedness. We see that happen fairly quickly with Cain and Abel. Um, and here's God kind of... Now, God is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, omni, omnipotent, um, he's omnipresent, he's able to be everywhere at once. So God's mind doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have to come up with a plan B 
so to speak. But this is God seemingly of him kind of changing or altering course, not because he needs to think of something different, but because of the condition of man's heart, it seems. And it reminds me a little bit of a parent and a child, as I think it's appropriate to view God as our father, you know. Uh, But a parent and a child, whenever that child continues to misbehave, continues to, you know, break the rules that that parent has tried to establish these boundaries in order to keep that that child safe. And at some point for the parent to continue to dole out these these big consequences, the consequences that he's probably even warned about as that child keeps breaking and breaking and breaking those rules, at some point, you know, that child is just going to continue to be hurt again and again and again and not learn their lesson and not truly understand what's going on, continue to be confused. And so for that parent at that point to be able to say, even though the consequence is still deserved, I'm going to take away a little bit of my expectation of what this child is able to do or able to understand, and I'm going to change the consequence. We are going to set up a new structure in order for this child to be able to have a different route to go on so that it gives them the time to listen better, to mature. It gives them more time to actually be able to change because right now if we continue the route we're going, it'll just destroy my child. And I feel like that's kind of what God is doing here is he's setting up this covenant with Noah and therefore the rest of humanity that follows the, the heart of man, the intentions of a man's heart is evil from youth. So I'm not going to strike down every living creature as I have, but by the way, evil from his youth, Mm -hmm. uh, Noah is not young at this point. Oh no. So whenever yeah, God's at least saying, over 150. Yeah. So yeah. whenever God is saying this, he's talking about maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, and really at this point being able to depend on God. Remember, Noah's the only righteous person during this time, which is which is why he's the one that's on the ark and there's going to be a right. new family, you know, this is going to continue humanity through his line. Mhm. So this is something that's such a big deal, and like whenever Matt said it, it, it kind of hit me. God is recognizing that because the maturity isn't here, God is not taking away this dominion, this responsibility, but is reducing it to the to the way that mankind, because we make bad choices, is he is not going to allow them to destroy the earth. He's not going to allow them to destroy all the animals in the same capacity that just happened, right? right? The flood happened because of man's wickedness. It didn't because the birds weren't wicked, right? The deer that were you know going across the plains, these things weren't evil, right? That isn't what God was doing was wiping out all of them because of their wickedness. It's because this was part of our dominion, mm-hmm. what, what we're supposed to be doing, and you know, what we're supposed to be governing as part of this, you know, informal covenant that was with Adam and Eve. And the thing is that it wasn't working out. So God's readjusting expectations, just like is something that we have to do sometimes for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So God says he's not going to make, uh, you know, these things that are under our dominion suffer because of us. This is an yeah. act of mercy. 
Yeah. Right? That God's like, okay, I'm not going to just flood the earth every time that wickedness multiplies. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, like or I just did. that violence increases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is readjusting the expectations for how he's seeing them, right? There's the... Or for how we should see ourselves, really. That yeah. there is a maturing process that comes... And we're going to actually see this theme again and again play out throughout the Bible, yeah. that there is a maturing process, and as someone matures in their faith in God and their reliance on God, God will then give them more responsibility mm-hmm. to be able to continue to do the things that he has planned for them and continue to do these things that he has originally given Adam and Eve dominion over. Right. And isn't that in theme with what we're talking about in mental health, this theme of waiting in the unknown, this theme of the fact, you know, it takes time for change to happen. It takes time to learn and grow and see things. This is why as a therapist, I cannot just tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. I can't just give them advice because that would defeat the whole purpose. Nobody learns that way. And so we kind of play this role of, of gentle guidance of right. naming hard truths and sitting with the pain and letting each individual client get there on their own because that's where the change happens. And that's why the process is so vitally important because that's where the change takes place right. rather than, you know, just arriving, just mm-hmm. the, the change happening or the healing happening for that to be true. We have to be willing to wait and go through this period of suffering and this longing. Right. And that's so hard. Totally. And I think that one of the important things mental health-wise with this, at the current time of this recording, I have a four-year-old. I have an expectation of that four-year-old that he's going to move out. And he's going to be fully independent. And I don't got to, you know, go into these places where I got to explain to him every little thing. This is why you need to brush your teeth. This is why you need to shower. You know, I don't have to manage all that. But if I have those expectations right now for him being four years old, man, I'm going to be frustrated a lot. Because I tell you what, my son will not dress himself all the time. There are some times where I have to go in there and I have to recognize in these moments that like, hey, I laid these clothes out for him. I picked those out because I recognize that this age, that's just too big of a decision for him and that he's going to choose the wrong things, right? It's kind of wintertime right now as we're recording this. He's going to wear shorts and a t-shirt and that's not Mm -hmm. appropriate for this, Mm -hmm. right? So we have, you know, God is adjusting uh, the expectations and and right we're having this narrative right here so that we can see and understand that like why this is happening and we have to do that as parents as friends mm-hmm. sometimes we have to do that with our spouses or you know other intimate relationships we have sometimes we actually have to do that to ourselves too where we have to recognize that we are you know, even though there's this expectation, I have this expectation of my son, he is not at that place yet. So I have to adjust that expectation for his current level of functioning, which is usually what we call it in the mental health field. All right. And I, I talk to parents about this all the time. You know, I talk to different people about this all the time, right? People come in 
and they may feel like they should be ready to run a marathon. But I don't know if you ever run a marathon before. You got to train for a while to build up the the muscle, the endurance, the mm-hmm. breathing, the like body motion that you're going to be doing for a long period of time. The pace and all these different things. There takes this training process where you're not just going to out out the gates run a marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be able to recognize and to be able to accept that there is a process that we have to go through where we might have to adjust our own responsibility. If I'm feeling incredibly anxious, my body is consuming a ton of resources because it is sensing a threat. Mm-hmm. And those resources, it's going to make me want to eat a lot more. It's going to make it harder to sleep. It's going to make it harder to focus. And this is just the base things that doesn't include like the upregulation of cortisol and the mountainous effects that that has on the body and so so for us in these moments if i and this is just simple anxiety right all of us experience this i tell you what whenever i was having that cold i was experiencing anxiety that i wasn't getting done all the different things Mm -hmm. and i had to continue to remind myself and continue to relax we have to be able to adjust our expectations Because if not, then we start being incapable of meeting those. can't tell you how many people I work with that have depression. They feel like, hey, it should be easy for me to pop up in the morning. No. You have to be able to adjust your expectations. Right. And be able to get permission for some of these things, right? I was feeling this, man, every single day of my marriage, right? Of, Mm -hmm. you know, marriage is hard. But to give permission for my wife's more hard emotions and for her to give permission for my hard emotions because otherwise I react to those and Mm -hmm. I heighten it. And then, you know, we're in the middle of an argument where we're both just angry that the other person is angry. But what if in that first moment I can just give permission for what she's feeling and be able to speak to myself like 90% of what's going on with what she's feeling or her tone or her actions has nothing to do with me. Right. And I can move slower into that conversation with her and have infinitely more grace and patience for what she's feeling or or what's happening for her. But if I can't give permission for her emotions, I'm certainly not going to give a lot of permission for what I'm feeling if I'm in that place of heightened anxiety or heightened despair or depression either. If we can give permission for those things, we can slow our, our hearts down. We can slow our, our racing thoughts down and perhaps speak a little bit more truth to ourselves. Yeah. And that truth is, is hard sometimes. And it's something that we have to recognize. I can't tell you how many clients I work with that suffer from depression that feel like they should be operating at the same functionality as people that don't. And that's just right. not realistic. And you actually increase the level of suffering that you have because you're not allowing yourself to be realistic. It's right. not possible. Right. Your body is down-regulating. It's not producing the same type of level of neurotransmitters. Yeah. It's going to make it harder to eat. It's going to make it harder to exercise. It's going to make it harder to want to be out and socialize. It's going to, you know, all these different things that are a factor with that make it harder to do just mundane things. Yeah. And we have to be able to recognize that. Yeah. And we have to be able to recognize that then we have to reset, just like God's doing right here. We have to reset the expectations that we have for ourselves yeah. 
so that we can actually experience a tiny bit of success. Right. You know, my, uh, currently during this uh, recording, my wife is pregnant. Ooh. She has to, re- you know, thank you. She has to do a lot to reset her expectations. She cannot exercise the same way. She cannot lift as many things. She is tired all the time. She can't drink caffeine. Yeah, yeah. she can't drink caffeine. She can't drink alcohol. She There's a lot of things that you can't do. Yep. You know, we like hiking. You know, she's, you know, she can hike still, you know, but you know what? We aren't going on no eight mile hike. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. She, she has to have more snack breaks and, you know, we got to make sure that we're close to a bathroom because like you have to pee a lot more often. So all these different things that she has to be able to reset her expectations. She doesn't, then she is going to be in a constant state of beating herself up for not being able to go. Now, Pregnancy. This is this is a shoot. This is one of the biggest things that happens with human beings, right? With females, that their entire body and their mind can shift and go into overdrive to produce a human being. Mm-hmm. That that for her in those moments with our second child, this is easier for her to get into that same mindset that like, okay, like I know that I'm not going to have this level of functionality again. This is something that it's easy because we could see a lot of the physical changes, and we have to be able to take and apply that to mental health-related things. Yes. Right? Whenever I was going through a huge bout of depression, I had to be able to sit there and be like, recognize, one, I'm going through depression right now. Yeah. My thoughts are not going to be the same. I'm not going to mm-hmm. have the same level of motivation. Mm-hmm. Not only am I going to not have the same level of motivation, I got some pretty dark thoughts mm-hmm. that end up showing up. And I have to be able to meet myself there so I can adjust my expectations. Because I tell you what, if, I, if I'm if i going through this and I think that I'm going to work the same amount, I think that I'm going to get rock star sleep, I'm going to be able to you know, hit all these you know, eating goals and different things that I have, whatever that is, I'm going to be setting myself up for failure. Absolutely. And God's trying not to set Noah up for failure and Noah's descendants and his families up for failure right here. By not punishing their the dominion that he set over them, and remember, we're going to get to stories later on where God is, you know, God is not taking this away from them with the intention of never giving it back. My four year old, just because I dressed him, um, you know, that one day or several days, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because I've dressed him as four years of life doesn't mean that I'm not going to expect him to pick out his own clothes one day. Actually, yeah. he picked out his own clothes today, oh, nice. ironically. Okay, right. But the thing is that. That is going to be my expectation, but I know that that expectation, you know, it's so easy for us as parents, right? We could do this, and we really have to be able to do this with our own mental health. We have to adjust our own mm-hmm. expectations, not necessarily to where we don't expect ourselves to be able to do anything. We want to still be able to push we ourselves. We need to have hope, yes, mm-hmm. but to also consider the other side of the, the coin, right? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some limitation. It's going to take time. And so one of the things that I do in session one, you know, over the first few sessions, in addition to building trust, is I'm trying to maybe change some of the expectations. Um, you know, often when somebody's coming in with anxiety as well, there might be this goal of this is new for me. I just started feeling this all of a sudden. I don't know where it came from. I want to get to a place where I don't have any anxiety anymore. Let's get there. And um, that's that's the goal. Um, but I'm trying to catch that in that moment and to say, whoa, 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 whoa. 
is anxiety all bad? Because that might be what your brain is telling you right now. There's a difference between functional anxiety and non-functional or irrational anxiety. I mean, look at Jesus. You know, on the night before he was taken prisoner, he's feeling anxious to the point of sweating drops of blood. There is an anxiety that makes sense. There is an anxiety that can prepare us for something that's dangerous, true danger in our life. And yet, maybe the reason that we weren't feeling some of that functional anxiety before is because we were suffocating it, feeling as though it would be all bad if we were to allow it in our life. And is it realistic that we have zero anxiety in our life moving forward? Right. I don't think it is. But where can we find the balance between what's good and and helpful versus what's not beneficial? Right. And give permission again for some level of anxiety so that we can actually create a hopeful mm-hmm. avenue for us to go down. And that's what God's doing here as he's setting up a covenant with Noah. He's changing the expectation so that he can actually create a hopeful route to now be able to bring change and redemption to this people group who have evil in their heart from the moment that they're youths, right? And we're going to see he continues to bring out a new covenant and a new covenant and a new covenant. And it's all to save us. It's all to to take this burden and this pain away from us. But man, it's a long story to get there. And the story's not even finished yet. We're smack dab in the middle of a story that is still being told. We have not arrived yet. It's beautiful if you think about it. And you know, God saying this is not in a way, or at least this isn't how I read it. Maybe, you know, maybe this is how some people interpret this. God didn't say this, you know, out of a non-loving place. You know, it's not like he went up to Noah and like, wow, you guys all suck. Mm-hmm. You know, I saved you guys and I could kind of even see it in you. You guys are going to fail too. You guys suck. You know, all this stuff. Right. It wasn't from that place. It's from this place of love. And also, I like understanding. Like, this right. this maturity isn't there yet. And, yeah. like, that's okay. You know? So th- these are going to be some of my new expectations. And I'm not going to uh, allow other things to fail, you know, because yeah. of this. I, I don't know why. It's, it's just so easy to keep on going back to examples of my son. My son's four years old. Whenever he cooks with us, he's not doing it on his own. Mm-mm. You know, you're not going to let him hold that knife by himself unsupervised. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of things I'm not going to let him do. You know, yep. and, and the thing is, I don't want him to get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. I want him to get some experience with cooking and, and mm-hmm. that creativity and and everything around that. And it's out of love that I don't want him to do these other things, right? Because he's not quite there yet. He doesn't have the coordination. He doesn't have the understanding. And that's okay, right? That's the level of functionality that he is. And we have to understand that about ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in no way a type A person. And what, what that means in our society is like this is a person that is always getting things done, mm-hmm. always super motivated, it seems. They're coming out with new ideas all the time. They're pursuing it and like all these different things, right? Um, I am not that way. And if I expect that I should be that way, Whew, I'm setting myself up for some rude awakenings. Yeah. And that's one of the things that 
we want you guys to kind of glean from the story is God is adjusting expectations. That means that it's okay for us to do that too, right? We have to adjust the expectations that we have for ourselves if we want to build the repertoire to get to where we're going, right? Maybe that person wants to have zero anxiety, but maybe along the way they recognize that one, anxiety isn't all bad like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But two, they might also recognize that, you know what, a lot of this low-level anxiety that I've started to be able to react differently to, now that a lot of that's gone, my life is already a lot better. Mm-hmm. Right? If I can take 10% of the anxiety that I have over regular things off the table, how does that affect me? Yep. Well, how am I able to do that? You know, uh, Matt and I both work with people sometimes that have like social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right? And we'll start out like, hey, can you just go up to somebody and say hi? Yep. You know, can you go and do that? All right, you can't say that? All right, well, can you wave at people? Right? Just being or able to make eye contact yeah, or whatever it is, you know? Being yeah. able to take that small step and that victory will build us to being able to have a conversation, but we got to have steps in between there. What does that look like? Yeah. Which means that we have to be able to adjust that expectation. That happens for a lot of different mental health related things and that is okay. And there's nothing wrong with you for us needing to do that. Amen. We have clients, so we have to wrap it up guys, but we have so loved being able to, to communicate this, to delve into this truth, to kind of sit in this unknown and know that we don't just arrive, healing doesn't just happen, and we're willing to continue to sit in that with you and to continue to, pro- continue to process that. Um, we would love if you uh, recommend us to friends and family um, to send in questions to us about other, you know, things you're curious about that we could talk about as we go through this biblical narrative or as we might want to do other deep dives. Um, We're very curious to hear what you have to say and to be able to talk with you. Uh, So please give us an email or a shout out. Um, We have loved sitting with you in this episode and we hope that you guys have a good week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. This podcast is conducted by two licensed professionals in mental health counseling, but this podcast is not meant to provide medical or legal advice and is not a substitute for personal counseling. The song in our podcast is called Indie Folk by Alexi Action, found on Pixabay. If you are listening to this and feel that you may be a harm to yourself or others, please reach out to professional because we believe your life is worth it.